something that we can never be able to make enough sugar for, let alone any bounty for that matter. The smallest ni'mat also we cannot make enough sugar for. What about the ni'mat of Iman, the ni'mat of Islam? This is something that our whole life we spend in sajda also, it won't fulfill the right of one fraction of sugar for this great bounty and ni'mat. But after having been blessed with this bounty, what is necessary is that we fulfill the dictates of this ni'mat. So in one hadith, Rasulullah describes what is this iman all about. And in a beautiful parable, in an example, Allah says, Al-Iman has more than 70 branches. So the example that is being given is an example of a tree. And this example is something that Allah has himself given in the Quran Sharif as well. Example of Iman. Allah says the example of the kalima tayyiba, of this kalima of iman, is like a tree. Asluha tabit, its roots are firmly deep into the ground. And wafaruha fis sama, and its branches reaching the skies. And then tu'ti ukulaha kullahinim biidni rabbiha. At every moment, this tree of Iman is giving off its fruit. So this example of the tree of Iman is in the Quran Sharif. And Nabi Wasallam is giving this example in the Hadith Sharif as well. That Iman has more than 70 branches. So the lesson here is that Iman, the essence of Iman is the seed. The seed of Iman, the kalima, the belief, the faith. But that faith and that iman, that belief that is deep down in the heart, that is not visible to anybody. Allah Ta'ala alone knows. So like a person plants some seed 
And if that seed is under the ground, then nobody even knows that something is buried here. Nobody even knows something exists here. That has, has the potential of a tree that can bear so much of fruit, etc. Nobody knows. So what the lesson is being given to us is that the seed of Iman must not just remain covered under the ground. It must bring forth its trunk. It must then bring out its branches. The branch of Ibadat must come out on it. The branches of Taqwa, the branches of Khashiyat and fear of Allah wa Ta'ala, the branch of the love of Allah Ta'ala, the branch of Tawakkul and trust in Allah Ta'ala, the branch of submitting entirely to Allah Ta'ala, and all the various branches. And on these branches, the beautiful flowers of mu'amalat, good mu'amalat and dealings must come on. That a person from a distance also sees those flowers and gets attracted. Indonesia has got perhaps the greatest Muslim population. And how did it start off? Few people, some sahaba kiram or some of their followers it was. Handful of them came and settled there as traders. But their dealings were such that people became attracted to them, not them as people, but the people what they stood for. Where did you learn how to deal like this? Our deen taught us this. That we want to become part of that deen also. So this beautiful mu'amalat, those flowers of mu'amalat must be there. And the shade of mu'asharat. That anybody comes under this tree, they benefit from that shade. They're no more in the sun, they're no more in the heat. So now his parents will also benefit from the shade of his mu'asharat. His wife and children will benefit from the shade of his mu'asharat. His neighbors will benefit from the shade of that mu'asharat. And the beautiful, delicious fruit of akhlaq must come on this tree. And this fruit must be export quality. It must be able to go far and wide, every part of the corner of the every corner of the world. It was this fruit of akhlaq that brought people in huge numbers from the time of the Sahaba Kiram. It was this fruit of akhlaq, the propaganda that has always been made that Islam spread with the sword. This is the biggest figment of imagination of somebody and the biggest fallacy. But if there was a sword that spread Islam, it was a sword of akhlaq. Because the physical sword can only force a person to say something from his tongue. Can't bring Iman in somebody's heart. At the most it can force somebody to say something, after that sword is gone somewhere, he'll say what he wants to say. But people said it from their hearts. And then when they were being forced to renege, to give up that Iman, with every kind of persecution, as a Bilal is being dragged on the sands, just give up this Iman. He said, I'm not prepared to do that. Hazrat Ammar bin Yasir is being persecuted. His mother, Hazrat Sumiyah, is being persecuted. Just give up this Iman. Which sword brought into their heart? But every sword is being used to take it out. You say, sorry, we're not taking it out. To the extent that her, she is torn in two pieces by camels being tied on either side and being chased, and her body is torn apart, he says, we won't give up this Iman. So what brought this iman? It was this fruit of akhlaq. Or if you want to say salt, then the salt of akhlaq. 
Because this sword goes deep down in the heart. So this is the example that is being given that Iman is a reality. It's not something that is supposed to be hidden. Like a tree, you can see it from a mile. And that fragrance of those flowers and the tree, anybody passes by also. They feel so refreshed. MashaAllah. What beautiful fragrance. A person, anybody passes by and deals with him, has anything to interact with him, they feel refreshed. MashaAllah. What, this person is something. I'm really just did one small deal with him, but I'm feeling so happy about it. Or I had some little interaction with him, and I'm feeling like something, I've learned something. This is the reality of Iman. That Iman is a living reality. And the lesson is being given that it must not be hidden under the surface. It must show every bit of it. In, its, in the ibadat, in this mu'amalat, mu'asharat, akhlaq, this Iman must come alive. So Nabi Islam is giving us this example. That an Iman, bid'u wa sab'una shu'bah. What is the greatest branch of Iman, which is actually the trunk of Iman itself? This is La ilaha illallah. This is the very essence of Iman. But then in this is a lesson that Nabi Islam is saying, La ilaha illallah. That's saying La ilaha illallah. The real Iman is the faith and belief. But that faith has to be expressed also. And has to be expressed repeatedly. La ilaha illallah. The dhikr of La ilaha illallah. The dhikr of Allah wa ta'ala. The consciousness of Allah ta'ala being developed in that heart. And this consciousness comes from the remembrance of Allah ta'ala excessively. The Quran Sharif Allah ta'ala says, Ya ayyuhalladheena amanudhkurullaha dhikran kathira. Oh you who believe, remember Allah ta'ala excessively. No other command in the Quran Sharif comes with this qualification that do it excessively, with this description, that do it excessively. But the dhikr of Allah Ta'ala, because this is the ruh, this is the soul of every amal. It is the ruh and the soul of salah. Wa aqimis salata li dhikri. Establish salah for my dhikr, for my remembrance. Person has performed Hajj. What a great amal. First, once in his lifetime. All the rites of Hajj. Allah says, You've completed all these rites of Hajj. Now what? Now you remember Allah Ta'ala. Like how in the times of Jahiliyyat, in Mina, people would get together, now they would remember their forefathers. And people will sing poetry in praise of their forefathers and my grandfather did this and my grandfather did that and somebody else will now compete and he will give all the praises of his great-grandfather. Allah Ta'ala is saying, forget all that now. Now in place of that, remember Allah Ta'ala. Like you remembered and spent whole nights remembering your forefathers. But rather not that's just that. Oh, ashadda dhikra. Even more than that. So the whole ruh of hajj is also the zikr. And when the zikr will come in its reality, one is the verbal zikr. That too is something essential. In the hadith of Rasulullah, there is so much of emphasis on this verbal zikr also. Person decides La ilaha illallah a hundred times in the day, 
Allah Ta'ala will cause his face to shine like the 14th moon on the day of Qiyamah. This virtue Nabi Salaam is giving. Why? So that we might take on to this virtue and practice on it. So what is this La ilaha illallah? The person is La ilaha, negating everything, every deity. We say, Alhamdulillah, Allah Ta'ala has blessed us with Iman. What are we worshipping besides Allah Ta'ala? Allah Ta'ala says, Afara'ayta manittakhada ilahahu hawa? Have you seen that person who has made his desires his deity? He worships his desires. Whatever comes in his heart, he wants to do. Whether it is correct or incorrect, doesn't matter. He wants to see something, nobody will stop him, he'll see it. Whether it is permissible to see, whether it is the worst filth, he wants to see it. He wants to listen to something, even if it is wrong, he wants to listen to it. He wants to listen to music, he wants to listen to it. Plus, nobody must say anything. He wants to go somewhere, no matter how terrible the place may be, but it is coming in his heart, he must do it. The Muslim is saying, Hayal al-Salah, Hayal al-Falah, in his heart and mind is to do something else at that time. Afara'ayta man ittakhada ilahahu hawa. Allah says, have you seen that person who's made his desires his deity? When a person is saying, La ilaha, He's negating everything, negating his own desires also. لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يكون هواه تبعا لما جئت به أو كما قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم says none of you is a believer until he makes his desires subservient to that which I have brought, until he crushes his desires and takes what I have given, accepts the law of Allah Taala and acts according to the way of Allah Taala, the command of Allah Taala. And the way that I have displayed. Otherwise, his demand is very incomplete. So, this La ilaha. And then bringing only Allah Ta'ala in. Illallah. None but Allah. Only Allah. How I earn, only how Allah Ta'ala wants me to earn. How I have my nikah, how Allah Ta'ala wants me to have it. How the funeral is conducted, how Allah Ta'ala wants it. And how does Allah Ta'ala want it? How Nabi Islam showed it. That is how Allah Ta'ala wants it. قُلْ إِنْ كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِ يُحْبِبْكُمُ اللَّهُ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَهُ And if you truly love Allah Ta'ala, then Nabi Islam has been given the command, say to them, proclaim to them, if you truly love Allah Ta'ala, فَاتَّبِعُونِ Follow me. So this zikr of Allah Ta'ala, this daily zikr, some tasbihat, Nabi Wasallam in one gathering, the Sahaba say each gathering, one one gathering, they would count more than 100 times istighfar. He's discussing something, then in between istighfar, every now and then istighfar. Astaghfirullah Rabbi min kulli dhambi wa atubu ilayhi. And who is Nabi Wasallam? The greatest of all Allah Ta'ala's creation. The greatest of all the Anbiya and the messengers of Allah Ta'ala. Ma'asoom, sinless. And he's making istighfar more than 100 times a day. And who are we? How much istighfar do we make? <coughs> Some durutshari, so at least 100 times istighfar daily. These are the bare minimums. And the short form of istighfar also. Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah. But from the depth of the heart, with that consciousness that I have truly done so much of, uh, so many disobedience of Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, such great injustice I've done against myself. How much I've disobeyed Allah Ta'ala. 
Allah Ta'ala is my benefactor. Allah Ta'ala is showering his ni'mats every second on me. Despite that, I disobeyed him. So with that consciousness, with that regret, with that remorse, from the depth of the heart, hundred times, Astaghfirullah, Astaghfirullah. And then at least hundred times, Durud Sharif. In remembering the favors that Rasulullah has done for us, this is the bare minimum. Hundred times Guru Sharif. And the shortest formula of Guru Sharif, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, with love, with muhabbat, with azmat. Allah, Nabi sallallahu on one occasion, Hazrat Aisha radiallahu ta'ala saw him very happy. So she decided this is the time to ask. Like a wife sees a husband happy in a good mood, so she says, the right time, must strike while the iron is hot. But what will she ask generally? She'll ask for some dunya, some garment or some appliance or some this or that or the other. Because Aisha was also a wife. And she sees Nabi in a very good, happy mood. So she asks. And what does she ask? Ya Rasulullah, make dua for me. She asks for dua. So Allah Nabi makes dua for her. اللهم اغفر لعائشة ما تقدم من ذنبها وما تأخر وما أسرت وما أعلنت يا الله فقيم all the shortcomings of Aisha whatever might have happened in the past and the future everything forgive it يا الله so this dua Nabi Islam made for her she became extremely happy over this like today we become so happy over dunya but how how long the dunya is already made with us? No harm in having dunya in a halal way. It's come in a halal way without chasing after it and making it the object of life. Alhamdulillah, it's ni'mat. person uses it how Allah Ta'ala has required him to use it. Use it and make shukr. Alhamdulillah, that too will take him closer to Allah Ta'ala. Use it himself and remember the unfortunate servants of Allah Ta'ala as well. So in any case, how we become happy with dunya, he knows what the reality is. What, is. what really counts is what makes the akhirat. So she became very happy with this dua. What is dua? And she became so happy that she couldn't contain herself. Nabi Islam saw this and he asks her, Ayasurruki dua ya Aisha? Has my dua made you happy? She replied, Yes. After all, Nabi Islam is making dua for her. And his mustajab al-da'awad, his du'as are certainly accepted. So when she said yes, and he could see how overjoyed she is. Nabi Islam then said to her, Oh Aisha, innaha la da'wati li ummati ba'da kulli salati. Oh Aisha, this is the du'a I make for my ummah after every salah. So Allah's Nabi Islam is remembering us, had remembered us on all occasions. How much do we remember him in the day? The whole day passes and what do we give in return? By adopting the way sometimes of his enemies and giving his Mubarak heart taklif and by singing the songs of his enemies by bringing on our tongue the praises of his enemies the praises of their ways the praises of their sport the praises of what not how much on our tongue comes Durud Sharif? What an injustice this will be that the whole day has passed and we haven't even made Durud Sharif properly. 
So the more we will make durud sharif, recite durud sharif, the more all these other futile things and sinful things and things that give taklif and pain to the Mubarak heart of Rasulullah those things will start disappearing out of our lives. So at least daily for a start minimum 100 times durud sharif. And the short form of durud sharif also is sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. A lot of love, with azmat, with muhabbat. So this lesson of the zikr of Allah Ta'ala, this has been given to us here. And there needs to be some dedicated time daily. A person has got dedicated time for his breakfast. He's got dedicated time for his lunch. He's got dedicated time for supper. He's got dedicated time for tea in between. He's got dedicated time for the newspaper. He's got dedicated time for WhatsApp. He's got dedicated time for what not. If there isn't a dedicated time, it's for the zikr of Allah. If there isn't a dedicated time, it is for tilawat of the Quran Sharif. If there isn't a dedicated time, that is for deen. Deen is a sideline. Everything, it gives us chance to do something, then it will happen. Otherwise, deen is a sideline. Whereas deen is the object of life. Deen is everything for us. And everything else must fit into deen. In the way that Allah Ta'ala wants us to fit it in. So, in any case, this Durud Sharif, the more we will recite Durud Sharif, the closer we will get to Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So this lesson of Zikr, the dedicated time, some time, even if it's just 5-10 minutes a day, some dedicated time, where there is no distraction, was Banda and Khuda, servant and Allah Ta'ala, and from the depth of his heart, he's remembering Allah Ta'ala. And the zikr is the purifier of this heart. And over and above that then, one sahabi asked Nabi Islam, there's so many things to do, meaning optional things. How much can I do and what should I do? Nabi Islam gave him a simple prescription. La yazalu ratbam min Just keep your tongue moist with the remembrance of Allah. So one is dedicated time. Then over and above that, a person is walking, is driving, is laying down, whatever. And every now and again, there's some zikr of Allah Ta'ala, some tasbih, some istighfar, some durud sharif. And his tongue is being kept moist with the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala. So, this is the lesson we are getting out of this. فَأَفْضَلُهَا قَوْلُ لَا إِلَهَا إِلَّا اللَّهِ Then Nabi Islam says, وَأَدْنَاهَا إِمَاتَةُ الْأَدَاعَنِ الْتَرِيقِ This is the greatest branch of Iman. What is the smallest branch of Iman? But now we are talking about the branches of Iman. Like, just for our understanding, that there is some huge chain store. So now, there's one branch, which is 5,000 square meters. Somebody says, this is the smallest branch. For all these chains, all the branches all over the country, this is the smallest. <coughs> these 5,000 square meters the smallest? Yes, this is the smallest. So it's comparatively speaking, smallest. Otherwise, it will take maybe half the town inside it. So likewise, the smallest branch of Iman is in no way small. It is comparatively speaking the smallest. Otherwise, in itself, it's a huge branch. And what is the smallest branch of Iman? The smallest branch of Iman is to remove something that will inconvenience somebody out of the way. In other words, to save, in whichever way, save the next person from some taklif. So something that can cause some harm to somebody, inconvenience to somebody. So one is taking the 
trouble to now or the effort to move that out of the way. So it's not that I dropped it or I didn't drop it, or I didn't place it here, it's not my responsibility. No, whoever did it. But here I have the opportunity of bringing alive a branch of Iman. Whoever's responsibility it might be, whoever did it and didn't do it, that is all irrespective. I have an opportunity to bring alive a branch of Iman. And can we imagine a branch of Iman? And this is the lowest branch of Iman, but what a branch of Iman? Now, if a person brings alive this branch of Iman, that anything that will cause difficulties to somebody, which he is not responsible for, but he is conscious of it, that I must clear it out of the way. Where will it then be possible that he will deliberately himself give the tea to anybody? When he is forever looking at every opportunity to move out what others have caused some problems. Where will he deliberately cause the tea to anyone? Unfortunately, sometimes this becomes like a pastime that to give some taklif to somebody. To sometimes some people's tabiat is like that. If there isn't some drama, there isn't some something that is happening, then they feel very uneasy. If everything is going well, they feel unwell. It happens. There must be some drama somewhere. Two people were traveling in the train, sitting next to each other, both don't know each other. So now as the journey just started, everything was nice, peaceful, calm. But now these people, their tabiat was like that, that everything is calm, they're not feeling calm. So now one fellow woke up and he said, I'm feeling hot, I'll open the window. So he opened it and he sat down again. So after one minute, the other fellow woke up, he said, I'm feeling cold, he closed the window. So now there has to be something happening now. So he couldn't sit quietly, if this fellow opened the window, I must close it. So after one minute, that fellow said, I'm feeling very hot, must open the window, he opened it again. This carried on half a dozen times. So one other traveller who's sitting on the other end, he's observing this whole thing quietly. And this carried on half a dozen times, and he said, please, both of you, sit down quietly. Take a nice look, there's no glass on the window. <laughs> Just opening and closing the frame. <laughs> but, in that, that I must create some drama. They're not even taking the chance or the time to look that there's no, window, there's no glass here. So whether it's open or closed makes no difference. <coughs> So in any case, the thing is, if a person has developed this as his tabiyat, as his nature, that no matter who did what, I must take the difficulty out of the way. Where will he then deliberately cause some taklif to anybody else? And this is the nature of the Anbiya and their true followers, that nobody must get any taklif from them. This entire branch of deen known as Mu'asharat, social life, the crux of this entire branch of deen is that nobody must get any inconvenience from me. He is in his old age and he was very ill and late at night he needed to go and relieve himself. So he woke up and he left, went to relieve himself but he was extremely sick at the time. And the toilets at that time used to be outside the home, in the dark, no light. You must fetch the water from one point, then go to the toilet. So this whole 
exercise became very strenuous on him because of his weakness, his illness. And by the time he came, he was exhausted. And as he was walking back into in the home, he fell unconscious. He fainted due to his exhaustion and his illness. Some time later, he regained consciousness, realized that he has fallen, he woke up, somehow made his way back to his bed. After he came back onto his bed, now imagine the whole scene that has just happened. Now he's just come back onto his bed, and now it occurs to him that I had fainted, I had fallen unconscious. And at that time, I was returning from the toilet, I had that can in my hand. The toilet can, because it, that had to be kept somewhere, water fetched from somewhere and so on. There wasn't water on the tap. So the can was in my hand. And when I fell, it would have fallen out. So it's probably lying somewhere in the way there. And now later, tonight, somebody else might wake up. They'll want to use it. They'll go to its place. They won't find it there. And this will cause them taklif. Now his wife was sleeping in the same room. He says, but she's fast asleep. She's also the servant of Allah Ta'ala. How can I break her sleep now? So in that condition, he woke up again. And he made his way back to where that can had fallen, that jug had fallen. And he picked it up, went and put it back where its place was, and then came back to sleep. This is those who had the reality of وَأَدْنَاهَا إِمَاتَةُ الْأَدَاعَنِ tariq That let alone deliberately giving anybody taklif, they won't allow somebody else's inconvenience to stay in the way also. So if a person develops this branch of Iman, then this, this great quality comes into him. That this whole Mu'asharat comes alive. So in any case, this is something which is unfortunately lacking in us. Illa mashallah, that a person, how he conducts himself, how, for example, he might drive his vehicle, how he might park somewhere, how he might position himself in the masjid maybe, or how he might conduct himself in his house sometimes, and so many things. At some social gathering, often we become a source of taklif for others. Whereas this is something totally against this entire branch of Masharat. So this was the second thing the Bislas mentioned, the second thing, in terms of the branches of Iman. The greatest branch, La ilaha illallah. Wa adnaha imatatul tariq. And then the Bislasum says, Wal hayaa shu'batun min al iman. That haya shu'batun. Ay shu'batun azimatun. Haya is a huge branch of iman. Now there are more than 70 branches of iman. The greatest has been mentioned, the smallest has been mentioned, comparatively speaking. And then out of the balance of that 70, only one other branch has been mentioned. And that too, Nabi Sassum says, Shu'batun, the tanween for ta'zim, meaning a huge branch, is haya. This highlights what an important branch of deen this is. That haya is not just a branch in itself, it is such a branch from which branches come out. If there is haya, there will be adab. It might have been something that we might have done as well. A child has done something disrespectful and the child is reprimanded with what? You got, have you got any shame? 
Now he's done something that is disrespectful. And he's being reprimanded about shame, about haya. The word haya, the meanings that are given in English of shame, of modesty, these are just some explanatory meanings in some way. It can never do justice to the meaning of the word haya. This is an entire concept. Nabi Islam is saying that this haya is a huge branch of Iman. When haya is in the person, then so many aspects of deen will be alive in him. And if haya is missing, you lost haya, Nabi Islam says, do what you want then. In other words, you'll do what you want. A person won't be concerned about anybody or anything. Whether his izzat is going down into the dust, it won't matter. Whether his own children curse him tomorrow, it won't matter. Whether what happens, he's not interested. When there's no haya, person's not interested. And therefore, this is being highlighted. That haya has to be guarded jealously. Haya is not something that is, can be just treated casually. Haya is something that is a very serious matter. When this haya remains, iman will remain. Inna al-iman wal-haya qurana'u jami'a. The Beast Asim says, Iman and haya, they are co-joined, they co-exist. Ida rufi'a ahaduhuma rufi'a al-akhara. When one goes, the other will go along with it. This is how close the relationship is between haya and iman. And unfortunately, this haya is being lost very fast. Everything is being done around to destroy haya via the media, via the billboards, via everything around us. Haya is being decimated <coughs> to the extent that now on that juice bottle also, there will be a picture of total shamelessness. And with time, it will become normal. Everybody will just ignore it like nothing happened. And it will be passed on from person to person, father to daughter, and mother to son, and everybody will be comfortable with it. And this is how haya drops. It is not that it's now everybody is used to it. person doesn't come used to it. Like how some people say that, you wonder now that car that passes, that music is so loud, that it's vibrating three, four cars away. So you wonder that these people, how are they surviving in there? So somebody said, no, they get used to it. Another person explained it, no, they don't get used to it. It's just that they've gone so much more deaf. <laughs> they have gone so much more deaf, and that's the reality. So now they can they hearing it at the at that pitch, they're hearing it what another person would hear, just a normal sound. Because they are now 70%, 80% deaf. So likewise, Haya becomes 60%, 70%, 80% dead. So, so many aspects of shamelessness. People just gloss over it like nothing happened. In my childhood, I can remember from a very young age, at around maybe six, seven years old, because the home next door, they had some shop and all the supplies used to be delivered to the house. So sometimes my home father, Allah, he would buy the morning paper from there. So sometimes he would send me because the same yard, just go and buy the paper and come. So at that age, who knew what's going on? But this much was very clear in my mind that when the paper would come now, we're talking about in the early 70s. What 
was the newspaper in the early 70s? The early 70s, but that was something clearly in my mind that the good amount of several things in the paper immediately would get torn up. What was getting torn up? We were too young to understand. But that is still in the mind. So anything before that paper can be, something else gets torn behind it. Before that, what is there, tear somebody's iman, tear somebody's akhlaq, tear it out. That is the 70s. What is the condition of newspapers today? What even the disbelievers at that time would have never allowed in it. They would never have allowed it into their homes. They would have banned it, regarded it as pornographic. Today a Muslim also feels nothing about it. And it lies open in the home and everybody is comfortable with it. This is because Haya has decreased. Haya has decreased. Because there's a constant bombardment of Behayai. And like that thundering sound that over time it makes a person deaf and he feels, well, no, I can't hear it much now, it's fine. It's not so loud anymore. It is still loud, but he can't hear it anymore. So likewise, the shamelessness is still shamelessness. But the eyes of Haya are now dimmed. As a result, it can't be seen anymore. The cataracts of shamelessness have come on. She's not visible anymore. This is something to become very conscious about. And when Haya starts slipping, then it doesn't just stay at one point, it keeps slipping. <coughs> and the person becomes more and more bold to do anything and everything. And Allah forbid what kind of damage then it's bringing to families, to marriages, person now is sitting and watching all kind of filth in front of his family. Because now he's become so bold. So this haya, when haya is there, then a person will be conscious of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is watching. Maybe insan is not watching, but my Allah is watching. How can I be doing this? Then a person won't be watching first over his shoulder who is looking. Allah is watching. Allah is aware. Allah Ta'ala knows. يَعْلَمُ خَائِنَةَ الْأَعْيُنُ مَا فِي الصُّدُورِ He knows the deception of the eye and what the heart conceals. What kind of thoughts are being cooked up in the heart? What kind of fantasizing is carrying on? Allah is aware. Imagine if our hearts, the reel of our hearts is played out. So on the day of Qiyamah it might be played out. What I want to be played out. So a person who has haya from Allah Ta'ala will be conscious about this. And he will be constantly checking his heart. And cleaning his heart with that zikr of Allah Ta'ala, with that istighfar, with that tawbah. And developing this remembrance and consciousness of Allah Ta'ala. So this haya and this bihayai is one of the things that draws down the azab of Allah Ta'ala. A government, even with kufr, <coughs> can still survive in dunya. This dunya. Dunya is not something that has any importance to Allah. This is a place of test. So rulership, kingdom, government, despite kufr, will survive a period of time. 
But a government and kingdom, even if it's by Muslims, it will not survive if there's zulm and if there's bihayai. Because these things draw down the wrath of Allah. If there's kufr, but there's justice, the government will still survive. The system of dunya is different. But if there's zulm, then even a Muslim perpetrates that zulm, it will bring his end in dunya. And likewise is the aspect of behayai. The western society, the cornerstone of western society is extravagance and shamelessness. These are the cornerstones. And a dini society, an Islamic society, the cornerstones are simplicity and haya. And when this simplicity goes away, this extravagance, this wastage, and the total squandering of the wealth of Allah Ta'ala in things that are totally futile, just for a kind of name and fame and whatever else, and these things draw down the wrath of Allah. So this is the lesson that Nabi Islam is giving us in this hadith. The lesson of that Iman is a reality. This tree of Iman must be alive. It must bring out all its branches. It must bring out its flowers. It must give off its shade. It must pass on its fruit. It must give off its fragrance. This is the Amal of Iman. That Muamala, that Muasharat, that Akhlaq. And all the branches of Iman must come alive. So, like that tree, that tree also, from the time that that seed has been planted, it requires to be tended. It needs to be watered. It needs to be cared for. Now that shoot is coming out, then a person will put some stick alongside and tie it so that it grows straight. Then when the branches are growing, then too it needs so much of caring. Then it's been fertilized. And then it's been pruned. And what not carries on. And it's a lifelong process. So this tree of Iman also is a lifelong process to look after it, to care for it, to water it with the remembrance of Allah Ta'ala, to keep cleaning all the weeds out that have come in through the misuse of the eyes where every haram glance is a poisonous arrow of shaitan. So to clean out this poison, so this requires an ongoing effort. It is not some button a person can press and the job is done. It's an ongoing effort. All the work of deen is the same effort. To keep this tree of iman thriving, to keep it safe from all the things that harm it, to make it such that it gives off the best fruit. So the work of da'wah and tabligh is for the same purpose. To bring this tree of Iman alive within ourselves, within others. The work of Islam and Tasawwuf and Tazkiyah is for the same purpose. To clean out all these poisons, all these terrible cancers within a person. The cancer of jealousy, of pride, of malice, of greed, of love of the ego, of love of the world. And all the other things that totally destroy this tree of Iman. And to bring all the good qualities alive, all the branches alive, the branch of taqwa, the branch of the love of Allah Ta'ala, the branch of the love of Rasulullah the branch of making an effort of deen, the branch of tawakkul, the branch of ikhlas, 
the branch of Lillahiyat, the branch of Khashiyat, and all the various branches of Deen. So all these works are all for the same thing. So we have to become part of all this. The talim that takes place in the masjid, we become part of it. This will help to keep this tree of Iman thriving. The gush, the three days, the jamaat that will go, the jamaat that come to be part of that, all these things is for the same thing. Whatever other works of deen, to become part of it. MashaAllah, the Islahi Jalsa is taking place in two weeks' time, 22nd, 23rd, 24th, down the road from us in Port Chepson. So to become part of that, for the same purpose. How we can learn what is to be done, how to clean this heart, how to rectify all these maladies. And this is an ongoing effort, it's not a once-off thing, it is a lifelong thing. Just like the tree has to be tended, Hatta يَأْتِيَكَ yaqeen. That continue with worshipping Allah Ta'ala and serving Him and tending to this tree of Iman. Yaqeen here refers to death because there is nothing more certain than death for every insan. Until that last breath, this will carry on. May Allah give me and all of us the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala enable us to make every effort and make deen our focus of life. Allah Ta'ala enable us to rectify our hearts, remove all the things that are harmful to our deen and iman. Allah Ta'ala grant us all the good qualities. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Allahumma lika alhamdu kulluhu wa rakhtu kulluhu. Allahumma la ma'asunitana alayik anta kama afnita ala nafsik. Jazallahu anna nabiyyana muhammadan sallallahu alayhi wa sallam bima huwa ahluh. ربنا ظلمنا أنفسنا وإن لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين رب اغفر وارحم واعف وتكرم وتجاوز عما تعلم إنك أنت العز الأكرم ربنا توفنا مسلمين وألحقنا بالشهداء والصالحين غير خزايا ولا نداما ولا مفتونين إله العالمين يا الله most merciful, most gracious, most kind, most loving Allah Allah, 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 forgive us, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive all our major and minor sins, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive our families, Ya Allah. Forgive our relatives and friends, Ya Allah. Allah, forgive the entire ummah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Allah, shower down your maghfirat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Shower down your rahmat on the ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, remove the suffering of the ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 we acknowledge all this is due to our deeds, Ya Allah. Allah, you forgive us, Ya Allah. And forgive the ummah, Ya Allah. Allah, grant us the tawfiq of those a'mal that bring down your rahmat, Ya Allah. Allah, save us from all those a'mal that bring down your wrath and adab, Ya Allah. Allah, 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 grant us the reality of iman, Ya Allah. Allah, bring this tree of iman alive in us, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, grant us the tawfiq of making your zikr daily, Ya Allah. Allah, Allah, grant us the true reality of haya, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, save us from causing any taklif to anybody, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, you grant us every good, Ya Allah. Save us from every evil, Ya Allah. Save us from all the fitna and fasad, Ya Allah. Allah, give us istiqamat on deen, Ya Allah. Grant us the tawfiq of making ittiba and following the sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, grant us the love of the sunnah of Rasulullah, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Allah, save us from the ways of his enemies, Ya Allah. Ilahul Alameen, Ya Allah, all those who are sick, give them shifai kamila, ajila, mustamirra, daima. Allah, remove every trace of the illness, Ya Allah. 